like to talk to you about the subject of great grace this morning. Great grace. We all need grace in our lives, but as we'll find out this morning, I do not want just grace. I don't want grace. I want great grace, as we're going to find out in Acts chapter 4. We were gone this uh, previous week. I was picking up uh, Linda and I were picking up our daughters from West Coast Baptist College, which is always a good thing. But uh, So I was out of the office for a week. And so tomorrow morning, I am going to need great grace as I venture back into the office. Because what happens is that people will have chest pain. They will have shortness of breath. They'll have nausea, they'll have back pain, they'll have knee pain, they'll have ankle pain, they'll have head pain, they'll have pain of all sorts, and they may have had it now for a week, but they're not going to do anything until I get back. And so, uh, tomorrow morning when the phone's open, because they know I'll be back, uh, I will be begging God for great grace uh, to get through the day. So I appreciate your prayers. You say, well, that's, up, that's, that's your burden. I know it's my burden, but I appreciate your prayers. Uh, tomorrow's going to be an interesting day. I appreciate your prayers also that, uh, as I told the Sunday school class, one of my daughters, my youngest, Allison, will be going to Seattle, Washington tomorrow uh, to participate. This is through the college. It's called the Jewish Ministry, and it's, uh, they have 98 uh, uh, young people doing this this uh, year. It's sponsored by a businessman and he sponsors these young men and women to go uh, to certain cities across the United States, also uh, into Canada. A team is going to Israel and a team is going to Argentina and they go to densely Jewish populated areas and go door to door uh, giving the gospel uh, to the Jewish people. And so uh, she leaves tomorrow for Seattle, Washington, and will be there for 12 weeks. Uh, she's excited. I'm not. Uh, I need great grace uh, to get through this. But if you remember, uh, it would be deeply appreciated from, from myself and my family if you would remember all that in prayer. So in Acts chapter 4, I would like to read verse 23 through 33, and we'll find our text in verse 33 this morning. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company, this is talking about Peter and John, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, 
Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? They're quoting from Psalm 2 here. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And then our text verse this morning, verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. When I read that, looked at that, I said to myself, George, I want great grace. I want great grace in my life. And so, understanding that, that's where this message comes from today, is I personally want great grace in my life. And I believe those that are children of God this morning, across this auditorium, I believe also you want great grace in your life this morning. So before we start, let's have the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we again come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, through your spirit this morning, I pray that you would open our understanding to the word of God, that you would give us wisdom, that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, that through the message this morning, your will would be done, that lost men and women would come to know Christ, that your children would follow the word of God and receive great grace even today. So work in our midst, glorify yourself, and Father, may everything be pleasing to you this morning. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Understanding where we are now in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 33, I always like to to give you the context of what we're talking about because we're looking at the church at Jerusalem as we just read verses 23 through 33. But if you go back to Acts chapter 3, and I'm just going to run down what the events were that led up to verses 23 through 33 in Acts chapter 4, we understand in chapter 3, and you can read these later today if you would like, Peter and John uh, apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ had just healed a lame man. Uh, he was there as Peter and John were going to the temple. He looked at Peter and John and Peter and John tell them, and I'm paraphrasing, we don't have any worldly wealth to give you, but we've got something better to give you. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man was healed and went away walking and praising the Lord. And the astonishing thing about this, according to the Word of God, is this man had not just become lame a few days before he was healed, but he was basically born this way. And according to the Bible, as you read chapter 3 and chapter 4, 
this man was greater than 40 years of age that was healed. And all the people marveled at what was going on. And as people marveled at what had gone on with the healing of this man, Peter preaches the Word of God. And as Peter preaches, he gives an invitation, and 5,000 men are saved through the preaching of the Word of God through the Apostle Peter. Now, as you can understand, as you, that walks you through chapter 3, you enter into chapter 4 of the book of Acts, the religious leaders are grieved at what has happened. That this man, greater than 40 years of age, has been healed, and he's walking around praising the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done. Uh, the religious leaders don't like that because they want to draw attention to themselves because they're in it for the, the prestige and the power uh, and the position uh, that they so desire. So this is taking the attention off of them, putting it on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then not only is this man uh, healed after over 40 years of being lame, but 5,000 men trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. So the religious leaders are grieved at what Peter and John have just done. And they take Peter and John and hold them captive overnight. And then they question them. How, how dare you do these things? By what name are uh, you doing these things? By what authority are you doing these things? And they, the, the religious leaders really don't know what to do because all the people were glorifying God because of this great event that just took place in this man, greater than 40 years of age, being healed of his inability to walk. And Peter answers, if you look up at verse 20 of chapter 4 of Acts, I love this statement that Peter makes, because the religious leaders are telling them, uh, don't talk in the name of Jesus anymore. Uh, don't spread the truth about Jesus anymore. And Peter says in verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. I love what he says. We've got to talk about Jesus. We've got to talk about the things that we've seen and the things that we've heard. And even though the world might suppress us and try to get us to stop talking about Jesus, they want us to talk about God in a generic fashion, may you and I not only pro 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 proclaim the name of God, but may we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the entire world. Don't let anyone shut you up about Jesus Christ. But the rulers, not knowing what to do, threaten the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter, and then they send them on their way. And that leads us into verse 23 that we just read. And this is the local church at Jerusalem getting together because they were under a lot of distress because the, their leaders, or part of their leadership, the Apostle uh, John and the Apostle Peter were having difficulties and that's where the church comes into play as we're going to go through verses 23 through 33 and see about this great grace that was given to the church there at Jerusalem and to the people there. Now grace, uh, if you don't know what grace is, grace can be defined in several ways, but I just wrote down a few. Grace can be explained as God's riches at Christ's expense. Just like salvation, it's God's riches that we receive 
at the expense of Christ. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. So God's riches at Christ's expense. I also like to think of grace as God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And another little statement that defines what grace is, is God's unmerited favor. God's favor on our life when we don't deserve it. And my friends, we do not deserve God's grace. We do not deserve God's mercy, but thankfully God has bestowed His grace on you and I. God has bestowed His mercy upon you and I. And as I read Acts chapter 4 verse 33 and come across that statement that great grace was given to them, I said to myself, I want that great grace. I want that great favor of God on my life and on my family and on my ministries. I want God's great grace. And so as we studied and read Acts chapter 4, the local church in Jerusalem, because of certain things they did, they received great grace. And we are commanded in 2 Timothy chapter one, uh, chapter 2 verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We are to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Have great grace in our lives. And as we research this portion of Scripture out, I find three things that the church at Jerusalem did to receive great grace. And I believe that as a church and as individuals, if we follow this recipe, if we follow this outline that the church of Jerusalem did, that you and I individually and as a body can have great grace, the great grace of God bestowed upon our lives, and I'm all for that. I want great grace in my life. So the first thing that they did, look at verse 24 of Acts chapter 4. And it says, and when they heard that, when they heard all that had gone on with the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, what the church did, what the individuals did at the church of Jerusalem, as they lifted up their voice to God, they gave great praise to God. And my friends, you and I need to get, if I may say, in the habit of praising God in our lives. I just want to go through some verses through the book of Psalms and read the importance of praising God in our lives. It says in Psalm 7, 17, I'm just going to go through these quickly. I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm uh, number 9, verses 1 and 2 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. 
I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. And then you go over to Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then you go over to Psalm 119, 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Psalm 146, verses 1 and 2. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my being. And lastly, and these are just a snapshot of verses of praise throughout the book of Psalms. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. We need to be praising the Lord. There is a lack of praise in most of our lives. There is probably more griping and complaining than praising. Many Christians have a degree or a doctorate in griping and complaining instead of praising the Lord. And that's why it, David tells us in the Psalm in 164, seven times a day do I praise thee. And that, that number seven in the Bible gives a sense of completeness. And I like to think of it, seven times a day do I praise thee, that it should be habitual, it should be ritual, a ritual in our lives, it should be consistent in our lives, that throughout the day we look for reasons to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be an intrinsic part of our life that we just praise the Lord. We should praise the Lord that 109 children came in on the buses. We should praise the Lord that we have a church that goes out uh, uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just pray. There's so many things that can praise, you can praise the Lord about. Praise the Lord you're not seeing me tomorrow. Just praise. There's so many things that we could praise the Lord about except we sit on our pity pot and gripe and complain about all the things we don't have, realizing that we need to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. I had a lady that was in the hospital with end-stage congestive heart failure. Her heart muscle was barely, I mean, the heart muscle itself was barely contracting. And she was on supplemental oxygen. She could barely say a whole sentence without having to stop and take a deep breath. It's called conversational dyspnea, where you, you get short of breath even when you talk. But this lady was a saved woman. And every time I would go into her room, she would praise the Lord. And she would lay there in bed, gasping for breath. We, we were doing everything we can do, but there's a point in medicine where there's no more to be done. And I'd walk in the room, and she'd see me, and she says, praise the Lord. Not realizing that several years prior in this woman's life, she lost her husband and son in a car accident. And now she's laying in a hospital bed close to eternity 
barely able to speak because of the congestive heart failure. And she's praising the Lord. I would walk out of that room and say, I want to be like her. That no matter what, I'm going to praise the Lord. I want to stop my griping and complaining and praise the Lord for His goodness. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. I want to praise the Lord. We are to praise the Lord in all things. We need to praise the Lord when He gives. And we need to praise the Lord when He takes away. Praise the Lord. Praising and thanking God go hand in hand. As I read in one of the Psalms earlier, we are to praise and thank God for everything. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, we will praise God forever. That's our eternity. So I figure let's get started now. Let's practice now. Because you have, if you're a child of God, all eternity to praise God. And we're going to enjoy it. We're going to love it. And so let's start now and look for reasons. Don't wait until something happens because things are happening all around us that if we just look, we can see God in it and we can praise the Lord. Praise the Lord you woke up this morning. Praise the Lord you live in the United States of America. Praise the Lord for the local church that we have here. Praise the Lord we have the Word of God. Praise the Lord we have freedom. Praise the Lord for your family. Praise the Lord. Oh, I can't praise the Lord. My daughter's going away. But I should. I'm working on that. But praise the Lord that my daughter wants to do something for God. We have a lot to praise the Lord about. And you will not praise and thank God by accident. It's a choice. It's a decision that you'll make. Because there have been days that I have not lived. Seven times a day do I praise thee because I chose not to. I chose to get wrapped up in the day. I chose to get wrapped up in the griping and complaining and the negativity. And when I choose to look through that lens, I exclude all the wonderment that God has given me in that day. And because of that, my mouth is shut, my heart is stopped, and I'm not able to praise God because I chose not to praise God. It's a choice. You will not do it by accident. That woman that was laying in that hospital bed made a deliberate choice. Even losing her husband and losing her child several years before, laying at death's bed, knowing that death was right around the corner, hardly able to talk without taking a deep breath, and she deliberately chose to praise God. How's your praise this morning? Did you praise God when you woke up? You praise God you made it here? You praise God that you're here? Praise God that we can sing the songs of Zion?
that we can hear the songs of Zion. We could go on and on. I could take you until the early afternoon about ways that we can praise God. I praise God that I'll be on this side of medicine tomorrow, not on the recipient side of medicine tomorrow. And you so should be too. And so the church at Jerusalem, they had great praise. And that was one of the reasons that great grace was given to them. Secondly, is great boldness. Look at verse 29. Not only did they have great praise, but they had great boldness. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. They were bold to speak the word of God. They were bold to take a stand against the religious establishment of that day and the religious establishment of that day had great power over them. But they were bold to take a stand. They were bold to witness. How was your witness? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 28.1, let me just reference off a few verses that talk about boldness. The righteous, and we're only righteous through Jesus Christ, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Ephesians 3.12, in whom, talking about Christ, in whom we have boldness. Ephesians 6.19, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that mystery of the gospel is that Jesus Christ didn't only die for the Jews, he died for all of us, praise the Lord. Ephesians 6.20, I, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It is estimated by survey of evangelical Christians. And I know you have to take surveys and the statistics that come out of them, you know, with a grain of salt. But the statistic that I found is that 94% of evangelical Christians basically don't witness. So how's your witness? Are you bold? Do you pass out gospel tracts? Do you share Jesus Christ with others that don't know Jesus Christ? How has the kingdom of God been bettered by you? You see, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. Paul told the Romans, the Christians there, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. My friends, the devil wants to silence us. Today, Everybody is coming out of the closet. I wish they would stay in the closet. But everybody is coming out of the closet and Christians are going into the closet. Boldness is a command. Medically speaking, if someone came to me with a disease process and I had the cure and I failed to give the cure to that person, 
Legally, that is called negligence. I did an activity which caused harm to a person. That's called negligence. My friends, be careful as a Christian that you do not become negligent in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because everyone has a sin disease and we have the cure. And by withholding the cure, we are causing harm to those people. And it's not only for passing out tracts that we can do. It's not only personally witnessing that we can do. It's going door to door, which we can do. But it's also being a part of a local body and supporting it financially as we go out and spread the gospel locally and abroad, as we support missionaries, that's another way of being bold in your witness, is by being a participant in the missionary fund, in the faith promise missions that we have. There's many ways of being bold, but my friends, how is your witness? These people had great praise, and they had great boldness. And that's two of the reasons that they had great grace upon them. Thirdly, not only did they have great praise and great boldness, but in verse 31, they had great prayer. Great prayer. It says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Most of us, including myself, and maybe it's just myself, pray a lot of times for trivial things. Oh God, help my runny nose. Oh God, help my ingrown toenail. Oh God this, oh God that. But how many times do we pray for the fullness of the Holy Ghost? God, fill me with your spirit. God, fill me with your wisdom. James tells us in his first chapter of his book, if any man lack wisdom, which all of us do, I lack wisdom, you lack wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Fill me with your spirit. May that be the first thing that we ask God for in our prayers. Even if we don't get to the laundry list of all of our needs, our needs will be met if we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Too often today, believers gather for prayer as though attending a concert or a party. There's little sense of urgency or danger because most are comfortable in their Christian walk. We are to pray for God's will to be done on earth, not for man's will to be done in heaven. These men and women of the church at Jerusalem did not pray to have their circumstances changed. How often do we expend energy and effort? God, change the circumstance that I'm in. Rather, these people asked God to empower them to make the best use of their circumstances and to accomplish what he had already determined. They were asking for divine enablement, not escape from their circumstances. And God gave them great grace. 
to get through their circumstances. Because the glory of God, not the needs of man, is the highest purpose of prayer. I think we get that flipped around, that prayer is all about our needs. But prayer should be about the glory of God. And if God is glorified in my life, will my needs be met? Yes. The name of Jesus Christ, my friends, has not lost its power. But many of God's children have lost the power because they've stopped praying. Brother Tory, an old-time evangelist, said, Pray for great things, expect great things, work for great things, but above all, pray. But above all, pray. The early church prayed, and God answered them, in verse 33, not only with great grace, but with great power. So I ask you this morning, how's your prayer life? Is your prayer life growing or is it withering? If somebody needed somebody to get a hold of God today, would they go to you? If somebody needed to get a hold of God and they were asking people to pray for them, would they approach you? And so, in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, I, I, I learn now to pray, not for the grace of God, but I want the great grace of God in my life. I want the great unmerited favor of God on my life. And I want it on this church. And we see the dynamics in chapter 4, verses 23 through 33, that in order to be a recipient of great grace, we have to have great praise in our life. We have to have great boldness to speak as we ought to speak. Obviously with compassion and appropriately, but be bold. Stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to have great prayer. So, as I end this morning, let me just read a song, verse 4, of grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe, you that are longing to see His face, Will you this moment his grace receive? And the Course says, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. And I'll say this this morning. For those that have never been the recipient of God's grace in your life for salvation, may today be the day that you receive God's great grace and by faith believing you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. There is no better decision that you can make 
I married a wonderful woman. We've been married, it'll be 31 years this December. It's hard to believe. But we were talking the other day about marriage and the decision that we made to get married. And I said, the only decision that precedes that is salvation. That's the biggest decision. Be a recipient of God's grace today. It's not the works that you do. It's not how good you are because you can never be good enough to gain God's favor. We only gain God's favor through what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so please, if you have any hesitancy, if you have any reservation about whether you are saved today, make, get, get assured of that today. You say, I'm 99% sure I'm saved. Then let me tell you this, if you're 99% certain you're saved, you're 100% lost. And then children of God, how's your praise? How's your boldness? And how's your prayer? All I know is I want great praise. And the Bible tells us how we can have it. So I pray that today, together, individually and corporately as a body, that we'll together seek God's great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great grace. Help each and every one of us get addicted to praising you. Where praising you is just what we do. Throughout the day, we look for reasons to praise you. And then when reasons come that we can praise you, we're not ashamed, even if we be in public, to praise the name of Jesus. And please help us with our boldness. Help us not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that has given us eternal life. Help us share that gospel message. Help us support the ministry that spreads the gospel. And Father, help us in our prayer life. Help all of our prayer lives be great prayer lives. Help all of our prayer lives be growing, not withering. Because I believe all of us here this morning want great grace. And we pray for the one that is uncertain of their salvation. They're uncertain of their standing before God. I pray that in a few moments when we have the invitation that they'll make their way forward, that they'll speak to us up front. We can have a man talk to a man, a woman with a woman, and show them through the Word of God how they can be a recipient of the grace of God for salvation this morning and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is their home. So Father, work in this time of invitation. Move up and down each aisle. Touch each and every heart. And I pray that all of us will leave here recipients of the great grace of God. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. If, you'd always... if you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.